Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. You picked a good time to come by. It's movie night. Tonight we're going to concentrate on one film, a movie called Spotlight. It's playing in a theater near you right now. And this tells the true story of a Boston Globe investigation into a very delicate topic. So the story begins when a new editor, Marty Baron, played by Liev Shriver in the film, assigns the investigative Spotlight Bureau to look into a priest accused of molesting 80 kids. Now it's a really hot button story in Boston because there's 1,500 priests in the city, 53% of the Globe subscribers are Catholic. And the investigation plods along. It takes quite a while to start getting to the heart of the story. But then it becomes much larger than originally thought and uncovers a far-reaching conspiracy that includes not only the church, but lawyers and possibly the newspaper itself. Now, it's a fascinating movie. Look for this to be nominated for all sorts of Academy Awards and Golden Globes and all that kind of stuff. The House of Krauss was thrilled to have two members of the cast stop by. Everyone remembers John Slatterly as Roger Sterling on Mad Men. That's probably the role that he will forever be identified with. In Spotlight, he plays Ben Bradley Jr. Uh, he was a reporter and an editor at the Boston Globe for 25 years, and he supervised the investigation into the sexual abuse by priests in the Boston Archdiocese. Liev Shriver plays Marty Baron. Just told you all about him. He's a storied journalist, having been the editor of the Washington Post, and when he was at the Boston Globe, was the, the key man in terms of getting this story underway. He also broke all sorts of uh, other stories about the Ilian Gonzalez return to Cuba, the 2000 election. Uh, the Globe's coverage of the Boston Catholic sexual abuse scandal earned them a Pulitzer Prize when it finally came out after all the controversy sort of died down. Uh, let's start by talking with John Slatterly. We talked about lots of things. I wanted to begin the conversation with him, though, by talking about how he, as an actor, as a person, a regular guy, gets his news. Do you trust newspapers, Twitter? How do you get your news, I guess, is what I I get my news on the internet. Like, I mean, I read the paper, I read the New York Times comes to my house, and I, I read that, and, I, and then I go online and I get my news from Google News or, or Flipboard or whatever, you know, right. there was a, you know news digests. Um, and, yeah, you scan headlines like you didn't used to, I think. Yeah. You know, you would drop down into a story that was a long term, longer term piece of investigative journalism and, and, um, and that, yeah, they don't, the resources aren't there and they don't have that uh, capability as much anymore. But I also think it's a product of where we are, you know, I mean, everything is happening so fast all the time and there's, and um, I don't know whether that's just a byproduct of having to keep up with all the information. Every time you turn around, there's a movie playing on the gas pump, you know, or, or you know, yeah. literally yeah. every in the elevator, there's, yeah. you know, there's video and, and news, you know, scrolling across the, the, the screen in an elevator. Yeah. Um, no moment is left untouched. Uh, so I don't, I mean, I enjoy reading the newspaper and I, and I, and I, I read periodicals, but yeah, I would say like most people, I don't know about most people, but yeah. I get my news on the internet, yeah. Yeah, me too. And I, I just wonder about the trust level 
you know, there was a time when Walter Cronkite was the most trusted man in America yeah. where you read something in the New York Times and you're like, well, damn, it was in the New York Times. It's right. got to be true. And I wonder about that. Well, I mean, I think I, before that, I, 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 I did something with some um, political consultants uh, where they, and, and I watched them read the newspaper and they read the paper differently than most people because they see every story as planted or leaked. And they are. Yeah. I mean, all the stuff that we read, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, there's a certain cynicism with everything I read in the paper, and I feel like that's spun one way or another, and that's out there because someone wants it out there. Right. Um, so, I, I, one of the good things about getting your news on the internet is that you can cross-reference. Yeah. You know, both sides of the aisle, or 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 just di different public. You know, a drop-down menu will give you five different newspapers take on the same event. So, um, I don't know. I think it's good and bad. It's interesting that I, I work in, in uh, or have worked in newsrooms for years, and uh, when stories break on a Friday, that's what raises my. Uh, hackles a little bit. That's what makes my ears perk up a little bit because it misses uh, the big weekend spin. If you right. do something on a Monday, you get a whole week of coverage out of right. something. But if you want to drop a story that you don't really want, if it's bad news and stuff, right. if you can hang on to it till Friday at around right. 11 a.m., right. that story's done. Right. And that's the way things are, are worked and twisted now. I, guess. I think it's strange. It's 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 it. There's a strange contradiction of stories that come and go because the news cycles are always so full and quick. Yeah. And also, it, nothing ever goes away. Yeah. So if you really want to find out about something, you know, it's there. Yeah. And it never goes anywhere. Spotlight is uh, an interesting movie because we talked about the speed of how things come at us now. Yeah. It takes its time. Yeah. What I liked about this movie is, like the journalists that we're seeing doing the work here, it's methodical. It takes us through a very complicated story, yeah. bit by bit, giving us the information that we need to understand what's going on before moving on to the next step. And I found it riveting. I, oh, I, good. Yeah, I found it really fascinating. Um, when you first saw the script, because I imagine it had to be fairly substantial, yeah. uh, what, was, what was your take? I... Uh I you couldn't put it down. I mean, it was it's that kind of story. I mean, you you uh, and you know where it's going, and you know how it ends. Yeah, that's the interesting part of the way it's told. Is uh, is despite knowing the end, you can't turn away. You can't put put it down. Yeah. Um, I think that's just good filmmaking. Uh, and I was uh, I was refreshingly. Uh, uh, you know, I was refreshed by by its ensemble nature too. I mean, it wasn't really a story of one person's triumph over uh, over over the, the 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 adversity in telling the story. It was about the story about how all these people made sure that they told this story accurately and thoroughly. And and I think that's how the that's how the two writers, Tom and Josh, vetted the story to make sure that this is the way that this would have happened. And there was some rewriting going on and there were some adjustments when people would call attention to one sort of discrepancy or another and we all sat around and tried to figure out how to make this story, which, is, which, which could be, you know, entirely expository, mm -hmm. active. Yeah. Um, um, it was obvious that it was an emotional story and it was, it was, it was going to if we told it right, it would land that way. 
Um, but I think that was it was a it was it was a tonal um, balance that needed to be achieved because you know you don't want to be beaten over the head with it, and you have to, as you said, be sure that the audience knows where where we are and and who knew what when. Well, see, that's the thriller aspect that I think works so well is that I was kind of when I was watching it, I thought you were the person that had ignored the story right and and it seems to be leading us around various uh, different ways and yeah. I, I like that there were reveals that could happen because as you say you know how the story ends yeah you got to keep us interested somehow yeah it does the and and the ensemble nature of the cast I think is also uh, key to that because each of them are such distinctive personalities that you you have to get to know them a little bit mm. first before you can understand exactly yeah what's what and 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 you know, and everybody had real pressures to to move along, to let the story slide, to uh, and 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 question themselves as to whether they could have told it sooner, and right. and so I, yeah, there's a human element to every side of the story. See, I think that when you take a big story like the the story that they uncovered that went from one priest to ninety, and you know all that stuff, mm. it's so unimaginable. It's so huge that I think from sitting on the outside of it, you can't really begin to even understand. It, it boggles the mind. Mm. But like this movie does, it makes it personal, mm -hmm. and it and it and that opens the doorway for the viewer to walk through and understand the massive story that is on the other side yeah. because we see the we, we see the victims everyone has a grandmother everyone has yeah. a the, you know yeah, yeah it's the, the specificity is what makes it the, the universal story and then you walk away with these this exponential you know names of cities and yeah. towns and countries yeah. and yeah. it's all yeah. over the world yeah. and you go holy shit you know but but we knew that right it's it's it uh, yeah it's very skillfully uh Kind of recircles then, then recircles, and makes sure that every bit of information is reinforced. Um, yeah. I just spoke with Brian, your castmate Brian, and he said that he is a Catholic, mm -hmm. and uh, that you know he thinks though that this is an important story, one that needs to be told, one that it, it brings. He said, I, "I wouldn't want as a Catholic, I wouldn't want this hidden. No. I would not want this story no. you know, hushed." And uh, and did you, when you read this, did you fear any I don't know blowback? Is there I don't know if that's the I right grew up in Boston Irish Catholic. You know I uh, I I re I mean I remember I don't remember specific. I wasn't uh, privy to or or you know didn't know this was going on at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean this is when I read this at the you know. I mean, the impact of the church in Boston um, can't be minimized. I mean, it's, what did it say? it's 1,500 priests or something in, in Boston. It's an incredible number, yeah. whatever it is in the movie. Yeah. I mean, and it's, but, but, but I think that's really well told, too, is that when, when a priest came to your house, when, you, when, when, when they shone their light on you, I was an altar boy. I mean, it was like that's what you did. And, uh, and, that's what's so painful about the story is that these people that were so vulnerable and so uh, trusting were were treated in this in this way. Mm -hmm. But I mean, from the other side too, it's it's important to um, if if the church 
if people are going to restore their trust or faith in the church, then, then this has to be told, you know. And like, like, I think that's the important part that Brian was talking about, you know. You have to tell this story. It has to be told. Yeah. Well, it's a powerful film. And, and, uh, and as I say, I, I, when I was sitting there watching, I was thinking of all the President's Men, movies like that, that had, had you know, you take you inside the process. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find it having worked in newspapers and sort of yeah, I find it fascinating to watch yeah. to watch that. And I, I saw it at a Pride Live here, so I, I watched it at a press screening a couple of weeks ago, two three weeks ago. And one of the things that I, I watched it in a room full of press that are all writers mostly, yeah. most of us. And uh, when when Mark is uh, writing the story and his deadline twenty one days and four hours or something, we're all like twenty one days. He like, those deadlines don't exist anymore. Right. Like you just don't get those anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, that got a big that got a big uh, reaction from the writers in the room. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, it's uh, it makes you wonder what what conspiracies are going to go uncovered. Well, it's interesting. You know, I just met. I just came from hosting a, a little mini press conference for Black Mass, and we had the two guys from the Boston Globe that uncovered the Whitey Bulger story. Yeah, the two actual guys, Dick Blair and Jerry O'Neill. And uh, old, like old and tough as nails newspaper right. guys, right? Right. Amazing to meet them. Amazing to meet them. And they uncovered the story of the most violent man in Boston yeah. while he was still on the street and, and labeled him an FBI informant on the front page of the Boston Globe, putting their lives and their families' lives and everybody else at risk. But it's the story that needed to be told. Right. It was cool to meet them. Yeah. It was very cool. Wow. That's I look forward to seeing that too. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Were you, were you born? Born in Boston, or yeah, born yeah. in Boston, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom too. Yeah, yeah. I've oh, yeah. spent a lot of time there. I, I love Boston. And me too. My family still lives there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I look forward to seeing this in Boston with my family. Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what do you hope people take away from this? I mean, it, it's it, it, there's a lot of stuff. I walked away not thinking so much about the pedophile priests. I have to tell you, yeah, because I felt like I knew that story. I walked away wondering about journalism. That's how we began our, our yeah. conversation. That's what I walked away from. What do you hope people take away? Um, I, I really think that, you know, in telling this story, is, you know, it's the only way to move forward. Yeah. I think that's, you know, it's a, the world and time is only going in one direction. And, and to move forward and, and, and try to repair the damage that's done on both sides, from both sides, you know, not from both sides, but, f- but it, 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 the story needs to be told. The truth needs to be told as painful as it is. And um, I don't know. I don't know what I expect from the Catholic Church as far as, you know, response. I mean, the response to the film. I mean... I don't expect not, anything. Yeah, not the first time it's been told, so... No. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I think it's really the, 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 the... It's the human part of the story. It's the, you know, the specific human lives, I think, that you get to see how devastating this, this actually was. Yeah, there were big numbers, and it was surprising, and it was covered up... But it was really comes down to, you know, people's lives. Yeah. Well, the stats don't mean anything. I mean, no. that's the thing. Like the stats are just numbers. They're they're analytical. They're they to me, you know, it's it's like that thing when you hear of a government cover up, 
and it's like ninety million dollars was lost, and I'm like, well, ninety million bucks went missing. Next. I can't. I don't know how much that is. No, I don't know if this building cost ninety million bucks or if it. You know, like I have no idea what that means. Yeah. But when I hear you know a local politician uh, overspent thirty thousand dollars, I'm like that. That's a number I can wrap my head around. You know, yeah. like you begin to understand it a bit more. Yeah, if it's if you understand the the the, the devastation wrought in one life, yeah. and then they go, and then and this happened two hundred thousand times. Yeah, yeah. That that starts to ring a few bells. Absolutely. You know, I think then, that, and that's what it does. I think it really, as far as you know, the thriller aspect of running around and uncovering the story and getting, you know, finding out that the files are empty and that. And that this went on and that went on, and then, and then you get the simple testimony of of one victim, or you get Mitch Garabedian, you know, telling some very specific story about, or you yeah, know, seeing the seeing these the little end, kids. Yeah. yeah, you go, man. I mean, how how is that possible? How is it possible? Uh, that's our time. I just have to tell you though, my favorite thing on television in the last ten years. You playing the organ, the <laughs> Olsen roller skated around the room. The That's most the beautiful great. cinematic moment oh, on television. I love that scene. Man, I couldn't get enough of it. Oh, it's so great. It's yeah. so I'm glad to hear that. Was it something? Was it something that just like I mean, it didn't just happen, obviously. No, but, I mean, he but was, did you, when you read it, you're like, oh, what the hell is this? Or were no, you, I thought it was, and I I didn't know. Uh, what it was going to look like. In fact, I hadn't seen it, and I had to do a Q and A. For some, some for an audience with with everybody, and they said, "What scene do you want to put up?" And I said, Let, "Let's put up the scene with Peggy and and I." And and when someone asked, "Why did you pick that scene?" I said, "Just because I wanted to see it, because I hadn't seen it. It's just Phil Abraham uh, directed it, who's also a cinematographer, who just shot it so beautifully. It's beautiful, and it's funny as hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. It Both was surreal, cool. Yeah, like it, I had to learn how to play the organ a little bit. Did you? Yeah. 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 John Slatterly, he's really good as Ben Bradley Jr. in Spotlight. Uh, go check out that movie. It's sure to be nominated for Academy Awards and Golden Globes and all the stuff uh, that goes along with the hoopla of award season. Leap Shriver, I love Ray Donovan. I love him on that show. It's a fantastic show between seasons right now. Uh, catch up with it if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, if you have seen it, wait for it. There's all sorts of stuff coming. A bit of a cliffhanger at the end of last season. He plays Marty Baron, the guy who really started this whole investigation that dug deep into the soul of Boston and uncovered an unimaginable story. Uh, we talked about lots of different things. We talked about journalism. We talked about Timbits. We shared a little box of Timbits during the interview. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Timbits are, they're the taste of Canada. They're the donut holes. Well, you'll hear all about it in, in the conversation that we had. This is Liev Shriver talking about playing Marty Baron, a real-life person who was on set while they were filming. When you're actually doing it, though, real-life guy, you know you're probably going to meet him. I don't know if he was on set or not, but is there a, an extra pressure or a responsibility that you might be feeling at that point? I think initially having read about Marty's accomplishments and his <laughs> his career, uh, I think there was some trepidation on my part. He can, be a, he can be an intimidating person to meet. But he was just so gracious and generous 
invited me down to Washington and I spent two hours with him in his office um, just trying to get a beat on him and yeah. um, I could see that it was it was uh, it was uncomfortable for him at times but he, he, he really worked through it and I'm, I'm, I'm very um, I'm very grateful to him for you know, opening himself up to me like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I could see that it was something that he was not used to, not accustomed to doing. Well, he was the guy used to asking the questions and, exactly. and, and peering into places not being peered at, I guess. Exactly. Right? It, it's got me thinking about the way that we consume news. Absolutely. Because even though it is the recent past, 2001, 2002, somewhere in around there, it's not that long ago, uh, it, everything's changed. Yeah. Since then, we get our news yeah. this way now. Um, everyone has to be first. And so you don't get things like the Spotlight team, I don't think, anyway, as much out there in the world. Question is, how do you consume news? And has this made you think any differently about the way that you get the news that you, that you take in every day? I've fallen victim to relying on uh, computer uh, iPads, phones yeah. for news. I try to make myself two or three times a week sit down with the newspaper and go through as much of it as I possibly can. It's just important. Um, but one of the things that I think that is so powerful about this story that uh, Tom McCarthy and Josh Singer have written is that it's a reminder to us of how absolutely essential good local investigative journalism is. It's, um, it's so important that um, we hold large institutions and individuals accountable uh, and and that these journalists are supported and funded to uh, to operate and and uh, commit to these kind of long lead stories that are going to bear fruit in the way that this story did for the spotlight team at the Boston Globe. There's nothing really flashy about the film, which yeah. would take away from the, the, the magnitude of it, I think. Yeah. But it takes you through, and the story gets bigger and bigger. The magnifying glass gets bigger I and bigger. That was and so smart the way he did that. Yeah. And he kept it all very restrained. Mm -hmm. It's very uh, mundane, and it's very uh, uninteresting at times. <laughs> but then it starts to grow, and as the facts and as... As the, as the work, the legwork, the very diligent work of going through old clippings, reading microfiche, knocking on doors, yeah, getting, getting outside. Getting slammed in your face. That's all right. That stuff, yeah. As that collective data begins to reveal something bigger, it's fascinating. Yeah. And it's like watching, um, it's like watch in many ways for me, it's like, it's like watching a fetus grow. In the beginning, <laughs> yeah. it's unrecognizable. <laughs> and suddenly there's hands and eyes and a nose and a mouth. And it's just, it's a miracle. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, a story like this, um, to be honest, you talked about the importance of, of local coverage. There's another film at the, the festival, Black Mass, yeah. same idea. They uncovered the Boston Globe, uncovered uh, the Whitey Bulger story, how he was an FBI uh, informant. Um, what would, do you think the reaction is of people in Boston to this story and to this film? I'm not sure. I hope that... Um, I hope that they appreciate uh, what it is and what it's about, mm -hmm. and I hope that they appreciate their newspaper, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. because it really is a celebration uh, of their journalists and, and, and the story that they collectively um, uh, uh, revealed for us. 
Uh, and I, I think the people of Boston should be very proud um, for uh, having having been at the center mm-hmm. of of this uh, of revealing this scandal and 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 stopping it and slowing it down at least. Certainly, it's not over. If if it were, we wouldn't be talking about it. But uh, it continues. Um, I you know I have a I have a real personal affinity for Boston for a lot of reasons and. Uh, um, I, I, I hope and I think that they're going to like this film very much. Yeah, my mother is Bostonian. Okay. Yeah, she was from Boston. I spent a lot of time there as a kid. And, and I was surprised at some of the stats that get thrown around. There were 1,500 priests in the city. I mean, it's, it, it, it gives you an idea of the scope of it. How right? big it is, yeah. Well, and, and so that leads to two things. Do you think that given how big the story is that it took an outsider like Marty to come in and say, well, no, I mean, of course this is a story we're going to follow because the, the entrenched Boston people may have, as the movie kind of indicates later on, uh, said, you know what, let's not, let's not go here. It's too much trouble. It's, it's going to open too many doors we don't want mm-hmm. to open. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there certainly is a line in the film uh, or the character uh, uh, played by Stanley Tucci, Mitchell Garabedian, says it took an outsider mm-hmm. to, to, to get this story going. Um, but I think, uh, ironically, the way this story began was the day before his first meeting, first staff meeting, uh, Marty read an article by, uh, a column, uh, rather, by Eileen McNamara about the Gagan case. Sure. And um, <clears throat> he was just, I think, I don't want to put words in Marty's mouth, but this part of my interview for him was he was trying to figure out how to serve the, his community. And it seemed like this story uh, um, um, uh, uh, about a priest who had apparently uh, abused children uh, uh, was essential to his community, and the fact that the truth may never be known because the documents are sealed by the church was just unacceptable to him. Um, ironically, while he was an outsider, what he was really trying to do was to find the best way to be inside that community that he had to represent and report for. Tim Hortons, what happened? You've be, you become oh, an honorary Canadian. Oh, crazy! <laughs> donuts, wow. Well, they're Tim bits. They're, like the, they're the middle of the. Well, they, yeah, we call it donut holes. Do you want one? Sure, I'll yeah. have a Tim bit. What the hell? Um, oh, that's bad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one less martini. Like yeah. sugar-wise, that's one less martini yeah. you can have later. Uh, one of the things that's so interesting about this story now is, as I as I thought about it a little bit more, is that the idea of how huge it is and how far-reaching and how many prongs there are to the story, it's so enormous that I think it's, it, it's, it's almost hard to wrap your head around. But the movie brings you in because you get to know the reporters, you get to know the victims, and it, it, and it, it shrinks it down to a very human level that I think is far more understandable. And I think that's <clears throat> probably the beauty of this. And as you say, the mundane—mundane is not a good word to use—but the, the methodical nature mm-hmm. of the way the story is presented lets you get inside the lives of the characters yeah. and shine a light on the story. Minutia. That's yeah. That's it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the word I meant to use. I knew it had an M in it. Um, <laughs> you know, all of that is a luxury that we are allowed to portray because of the diligence and the work that Tom McCarthy and Josh Singer did in putting that script together because they had to do such a colossal amount of research 
and investigative reporting and legal um, to come up with a script and then find a way to shape that exposition so that it had some kind of narrative flow to it and movement. Um, Because it's hard, otherwise it's people sitting behind desks talking on phones. So all we really had to do was just inject a little bit of humanity into the dialogue dialogue that was already, frankly, written to um, illuminate that, you know, to to, to show that. so I, it, 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 it's um, they're really to be commended, uh, and, and, and it's really kind of wonderful how the art imitates life here. That the 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 work I think that Tom and Josh did in many ways parallels right. uh, the work the spotlight. Do you think that narrative features that are dealing with real life events, as this one does, have to hew really closely to the events and to the truth, or how much dramatic license are you allowed to take before it becomes a fictional story? Movies are movies. Uh, this is not a documentary. I, I think, and I've heard from Marty, which to me, who to me is the most credible resource we've got, that the, we got the thrust of the story right, right, and that's what's important. How you choose to articulate it, uh, the level of emotion that you choose to use, the characterization, the style, all of that is up to the artist, you know, and that's that's why uh, it's an art form. Yeah. So um, I don't believe you have to stick right to the story if you get the thrust or the ideogram of the story right. And then what stays with the audience, if you, if that's important and essential, if you, if your intent is to is 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 realized it doesn't I don't think it matters too much how you realize it that was Liam Shriver talking about playing Marty Baron in Spotlight you know if you're one of those people that has to see everything that's going to get nominated for Academy Awards you may as well go see Spotlight today because it's going to get nominated for everything Uh, it is a front runner in a lot of the categories best picture best actor all that stuff check it out today save yourself the rush of later on and you know it's playing in a theater near you I loved eating Timbits with Liev Shriver he ate all the good ones though I have a bone to pick with him the next time we we meet, which may well be right here at the House of Krauss, again soon, talking about Ray Donovan or whatever else he's involved in. So I want to thank Liev for coming by. I want to thank John Slatterly for coming by. But most of all, I want to thank you for coming by. Every week, we have so many people swing by the House of Krauss to sit in and listen in on the conversations. I love it. We love having you come by. We're happy to see you come. Also happy to see you go when you leave. But please come back every Monday. There's a new episode up and you never know who's going to swing by for a visit.